Why don't we pay teachers more? This is a question we hear almost every single day, and it's a valid one. After all, teachers are important because they guide us in learning and help us develop new skills. They also inspire us to explore our interests and reach our full potential. So why is it so hard to pay them more? Well, first to understand that, we must understand how budgets work. I'm going to take a dive into the truth about school budgets. In the realm of education, school budgets take center stage, shaping how funds are distributed. These financial plans raise important questions about fairness, access, and achieving educational goals. Where does the money come from? School funding derives from various sources, primarily including government allocations, local property taxes, and sometimes federal grants. These financial streams converge to create the budget that supports educational programs, teacher salaries, infrastructure maintenance, and student resources. Joining us to talk about this is Thomas Trippany. He was an assistant principal for 11 years and head principal for 12 years. The school district uh, allocates different funds to different um, categories. So they may do a certain amount of money towards instruction, a certain amount of money towards, um, uh, well, that's it's mostly instructional stuff, but there's different you know, some of it will go towards language arts, some towards math, some towards science. Sometimes there's like there's an Eisenhower grant that drops money into science. Um, we get like a, a an amount that goes into what we call our general fund. And we have a lot of flexibility with what we buy in that. So let's say we wanted to, um, you know, reward the teachers after testing with a, a, a breakfast or during testing with with uh, breakfast sandwiches, we could use the general fund for that. If we wanted to buy computers, whatever we wanted to use, there was just no, very few rules that are associated with the general fund, you know, as long as it's it's educationally um, based and you, you can't, you can only spend a certain percentage of your money on food, which I believe is, is 10%. So you got to stay under 10% of that on food. But if you needed something for your playground or a, a school sign, you know, electronic sign or something like that, you'd use a general fund. And we have a bookkeeper and she keeps track of, you know, all the different spots. This pretty sophisticated software system we use, it's called PeopleSoft, you know, so the chorus, you know, there's this, there's a, a, a fund for, see what else that we have there's there's so many different areas there's, there's probably six or seven different areas and then from my point of view i would have a like a pie graph and i can see how much we're spending in each area or also how much is left in each area and you know hopefully you're spending the most of it in instruction also joining us is billy coxhead who is a cfo at a private school and has been doing it for 26 years and uh, again being a private school uh roughly 92 percent of our revenue, if you want to call it that, is tuition. So families paying tuition represents 92% of our revenue. And then the other 8% comes from uh, contributions. And that can either be what we call the annual fund. Basically, parent, we are asking even if parents, so once they pay tuition, they still get asked to contribute, which they can get a charitable deduction for, contribute to the annual fund. Um, and then we also ask families to contribute to our endowment and we build up an endowment. And so we'll get some uh, earnings off our endowment. So the other 8% is contributions and endowment, but endowment doesn't cre get created on its own. It's got to be started with contributions, just a little slightly different in whether you spend it immediately or try to allow that to grow. So 92% tuition, 8% contributions. 
How much of the money gets allocated toward payroll? Staff salaries are the single biggest expense in every school's budget. NCES reports that in a typical district budget, 90% is reserved for salary and benefits, according to blog.alavo.com. That's a common question, and the round number is 75% of our budget is payroll and benefits. We also wrap in um, benefits as part of the compensation package, and the major benefits are retirement contributions, health insurance, are the two main ones. We got some other ancillary ones, but those are the two main things. But And, and health insurance is obviously really expensive <laughs> and a uh, concern for everybody. And um, anyway, that's a, bi- a big part of the benefit package. But anyway, 75% goes to payroll and benefits. So the way our, our school district is huge, you know, we're the 12th or 13th largest in the nation. So the, the, the overall budget for the district uh, is allocated, I, I believe, in the 80s. It's over 80%, somewhere between 80 and 85% of the district's budget is for that. But we don't actually pay the teachers. They get their money from the district. We get what's called points. Um, so we don't actually have a spending limit, as a, you know, a numerical spending limit as far as money goes. So based on our school size, uh, we get allocations and it's, it's through our FTE funding we get allocated a certain amount of points so maybe at my school we had about 750 kids so let's say we might get what it was I think it was about 55 points or something like that so teachers one point paraprofessionals uh, half a point and um, an instructional clerk would be a uh, 0.4 and you know assistant principal would be a 1.25 so that was our budget so it wasn't a financial budget. And the beauty of that is we can get uh, the most experienced teachers with the highest degrees in it. And it has no impact on how we are, are spending pretty much. Okay. So it's where a lot of schools, I know, you know, they get a certain amount of money and they're, they're kind of penalized, so to speak, if they hire teachers who are 30 years with a doctorate. And that's going to, that's almost the same as two teachers probably. And we don't have to fool around with that. So there's also the Title I budget. I don't know if you want to go get into that or not. Title I budget is uh, it's a federal program for schools who have a higher poverty level to kind of to give them an advantage. You know, we don't have uh, – I was a Title I school, so we did. We, we were about uh, – generally, most years, we were around 73 74% free and reduced lunch. Uh, each district has different cut scores, which qualify them for the, the Title I. When I first started in the district, that number was around 30 in the, in the low 30s, around 30 percent. And you qualified now it's uh, in the 60s, 60 percent or so to qualify for for the Title I funds. A school my size in my district would get about a quarter million dollars uh, uh, once a year. And we would I would spend it almost always um, the majority of it on staffing. Okay. Um, we would we would we would get what they call carryover money, which was any money that wasn't spent. I guess in the district, uh, we would get a little boost, and the district had to hold back a certain amount of money. So we would get another fifty to seventy thousand dollars in the fall, and I would use that for stuff like in the realm of education. Uh, school budgets take center stage, and then shaping health funds are distributed. These financial programs, plans raise important questions um, about fairness, you know, most access, of my career, we need and achieving educational goals. District to supply the computer for all the students, so that's not an issue that we have, but 
um, with that spending at quarter million dollars. Sounds like a lot thinking, oh, teacher salary is 50 grand starting. Um, it's it's doesn't go as far as you think because you also have to buy their benefits. And the benefits package is, is very expensive. It's not just their health insurance. It's their sick days. It's their retirement. There's a lot of things that go into that. So a $50,000 teacher might cost you, uh, you know, $75,000. So the benefit package is another twenty five grand. So before you know it, that money's gone. And, you know, usually I could get about four teachers. How much money is spent per student? Nationally, public school spending per student experienced the largest fiscal year-to-year increase since 2008, up 6.3% to $14,347 according to new data from the 2021 annual survey of school system finances, according to census.gov. Again, it's, it's a lot of it's based, you know, on points, you know, so it's not yeah. a cash value. Um, the, the It's not just the body, the warm body. It's also what, what the student, you know, does he have a disability, you know, so different disabilities qualify you for more, you know, different FTE amounts, what they call it. And that gives you more, credit so to speak as far as your funding goes which translates into those those staffing points um for for the most part our our budget in dollars for those things that we spent for most part that's pretty much just per student but but for for our staffing there's a lot of different things you know gifted how are you serving these students are they with a gifted teacher all day are they with an esol teacher all day the more segments that they are with uh, a, a, and a certified or endorsed teacher that specializes in whatever their their needs are and what they qualify for, you would, would tend to get more funding for that. And, you know, parents think, oh, you're trying to get my kid. No, we don't get cash. It just helps us get more staff that helps them, you know, have smaller group. Okay. Yeah, and it, it, it's not like that for the public school. We don't have any kind of calculations on how much we're spending per student. Uh, when we build the budget, um, it's more of a um, what are the needs for next year? Mm-hmm. How much do we need to pay our teachers? Give them a raise of some kind, hopefully trying to outpace inflation, um, and then what are the other budgetary items that we need to run the school landscaping, athletics, fine arts, um, you know, uh, text and teaching materials, whatever. And we roll it up that way and say, okay, these are all our expenses. What is the tuition to cover this whole thing? And so once we get that number, we also build it in. Uh, we have to obviously project the number of students. And so, um, the big budgetary item is, you know, the number of students and then how many, how much do we have to charge those students to cover the expenses? So, I mean, in one sense, you could sort of, I guess, say that the tuition per student is a rough estimate of the cost per student, but we don't view it that way um, uh, because, you know, our budgetary students, we have four tuition levels and that's what complicates the things a little bit. So, you know, kindergarten is one tuition band. First grade through fourth grade is another tuition band. Fifth and sixth grade is a tuition band. And seventh through twelfth grade is another tuition band. So we sort of build it by number of students that we expect we're going to get. Here are all our expenses. How much do we need to charge in order to cover all this? Who has the final say on budget decision? In, in, in my school system, we really have a lot of autonomy as the principal. As long as we're, you know, we don't have a, a reputation for for, you know, 
making bad choices, they give us a lot of flexibility. I hire who I want to hire, but, you know, it's still ultimately is the board's decision, but they don't really go through it all. You know, we, we, we interview, we send them through HR, you know, the HR approves it essentially, but they don't interview them or no one else interviews them. They just make sure that they don't have, uh, you know, they have to go through background checks to make sure their credentials uh, are exactly what they said on their resume, those types of things. But as far as that goes and as far as the spending goes, um, yeah, we, we do. We do. When we do purchase orders, we have to have those approved. You know, my bookkeeper will put it in then I approve it. And then it goes to the district's finance department and then they approve it. But, uh, you know, generally everything, you know, runs smoothly. There's there's not really any hiccups in there unless you're, again, doing something that you're not supposed to. There's a certain amount where you're not supposed to spend over without permission and an initial permission. I can't think of it. That's a pretty, it's either five or $10,000 uh, that you have to get kind of uh, a special process for that. And that was pretty rare that I had to do that. Okay. Since we are private school, basically the the bulk of the work of collecting the data and presenting the information falls on me. Um, but we obviously have a head of school that um, is obviously an integral part of this, but we also have a board of trustees. Uh, they are all volunteers. Uh, many of them are parents of the school, but not all of them. Uh, and they make the final say, but a subset of that board of trustees is a finance committee. And so that's where the bulk of the actual work goes on. We'll have a marathon finance committee meeting uh, at budget time going over all the assumptions that uh, I have put in, which I've gotten information from admissions, the head of school, whatever. And we'll show it to the finance committee and we'll actually run iterations of uh, different scenarios of number of students, tuition increase, compensation increase. And, you know, there's certainly a little bit of an art in, in, as, in addition to a science to put into it. But anyway, the Finance Committee makes a recommendation to the full board, and the full board is the one that approves. What is surprisingly a huge expense? I would say paper and copy accounts, like so your, your uh, copy machines and the amount of clicks. So even though you may do a two-sided copy and you're saving money on paper, it counts as two clicks. And the, the, the maintenance agreements through these these copy contractors, you know, they, they charge you by the click. So it's a certain amount, it's two clicks. And, and the amount, even though we're, we're so digital now, it's amazing how many, how much paper that we use. It's better than it was, but it's still, it's still pretty high. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just unbelievable. And, and our school was, was a decent size compared to a lot of schools in the country. It's small for my district, you know, probably in the, the bottom 10 percentile as far as uh, size. But, you know, nationally, it's probably one of the bigger ones at 750, you know, where our schools are more usually a little closer to, to 1,000 for the elementary level. Um, but, yeah, that, that is it's a ridiculous amount. Wow. No, that's a great question. Uh, and uh, the initial answers are security. And that has become more and more uh, important and a greater and greater dollar value over the last five, 10 years, especially. Uh, with this last shooting, school shooting in Nashville, Tennessee, that was a very close like school to ours. And so that um, made a lot of people anxious about, well, what are we doing? Could we prevent something like that? And you can't prevent everything, but it is putting a heightened awareness on security. And so we spent a lot of money on security um, in terms of 
uh, cameras, even though that doesn't stop any coming in. But we have two uh, police officers uh, that we pay to be on our campus from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. A uh, school is in session. But, you know, in terms of a- entrance to the doors, we got to have access to the doors. Uh, nobody, nobody can get in. All the doors are locked. You have some kind of access, somebody key. And anyway, the point of it is security is a big expense that used to not be as. Uh, and then the second one is technology and trying to provide students with current technology to prepare them for college and beyond. And so that just feels like a black hole at sometimes uh, the amount of money that we spend for um, in-classroom instruction that involves technology. Can teachers get paid more? Boy, that is a, yeah, that's the $100,000 question right there. Um, is uh, it really, um, ooh, the, okay, long, long term, if a school like Wesleyan were trying to, to solve that problem, we would have find a benefactor who would donate um, $50 million to the school's endowment to fund teacher salaries. And so that would allow us to, use earnings off the endowment in perpetuity to pay teachers more. Now that is, you know, the odds of that happening are low, but the other side of it is, oh, we have to keep raising tuition to pay pay teachers more. And there are limits on what, how much you can charge in tuition before you run everybody off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even, even the top 1%, you know, eventually you're they're just not going to pay any more in tuition. So it, it, I, I, you know, there's nothing that we've got that would solve that instantaneously. So we do, again, with the biggest part of our budget already going to comp and benefits to find, pay people more, we got to raise tuition more, you know, um, and there are only levels, certain limits. We got limits on that. So again, apart from somebody just dumping an endowment number on us that we could then use, uh, I don't see, I, I don't know how to do it. We're already allocating a huge part of our budget to, Two teacher salaries. Um, of course, we wish we could pay you know, the teachers a lot more. Uh, they they really uh, work hard. It's it's um, it's until you've walked in their shoes, you don't know what they go through. There's there's so many um, uh, different moving parts. You know, not only do they have you know twenty to thirty. To Joining 30 us to talk about this is Thomas Trippin. He was uh, an assistant principal for 11 years and head principal for 12 years. All the professional development. Also joining us is Billy Coxett, who is a CFO at a private school and has been doing it for 26 years. That, you know, a parent would be there that at school. And sometimes they're that because that parent uh, is not there or maybe a grandparent's raising him. So the, the job and the stress and the pressure, a lot of teachers have a hard time sleeping at night because because of all the different things that they're thinking about. Did my child, did my student get home? Were they, you know, were they safe when they got there? Was there abuse? You know, if they're, they're worried about, you know, giving them, uh, sending home a note because they're afraid they might get beat, you know, and, you know, come back with, you know, who knows what type of marks or, or injuries. So the, uh, the districts have to, you know, depend on really, it's really kind of economy driven. So, the better the tax base or the higher the millage rate is, the better the opportunities for schools and teachers to get raises. So if, if communities want more money for their teachers, it would be best if they kind of lobbied for higher higher taxes on their on their property taxes and stuff like that. Um, sometimes the rich get richer, the better the school system, it attracts businesses. And the more businesses, that also raises the tax rate. You know, some of your big cities, 
they've got an enormous amount of tax rates because they've got an airport there. They've got, you know, conferences that go on with all the, the hotels and all that generates extra funds that it, it ends up trickling into the schools. So, you know, a, a well-run county makes a huge difference in the amount of money that comes into the school. What is something everyone should understand when it comes to school budget? One thing I would say is that sometimes they get a little bit uh, worked up about small potatoes. In other words, our budget in our district is over $2 billion. And they get upset when, you know, the superintendent is making an extra whatever amount of money and it's really small potatoes or the district spends this. And, and you know, most everything that's done is done for a very good reason. And they have to understand that in the grand scheme of things, you know, a couple of extra school resource officer is is not going to, you know, break the budget. You know, there's a there's a lot of need for, you know, school police and uh, their presence. And also they work very hard, our school resource officers, on building, uh, kind of building their brand, so to speak, and building relationships with the students. So when they, they, they uh, encounter pol- police on the outside of the school, they feel comfortable approaching them and not afraid of them. Yeah, uh, that tuition does not cover 100 percent of the school's budget or cover 100% of the school's expense. And so even though it's 92% roughly, and that seems like a lot, you know, there's still, it still doesn't cover everything. And so we're still looking for ways to uh, balance the budget outside of tuition. Therefore, it's gifts and contributions allow us to do that. Um, But, you know, barring that, we would have to cut you know, uh, expenses and based on the school population and what we're trying to do to attract students, that's a tough one too. So what would people know? Tuition doesn't cover everything. Thank you for watching TFD Deep Dives. For more episodes like this one, please make sure to like or follow. Reporting to you from Fairview Heights, Illinois, I am Ben from TFD Deep Dives.